0: Hi, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, play circle, whichever applies. Welcome back to Learning Tings. If you're new here, hi, I'm Lucy, but we may as well all be new here today because this is a new format of Learning Tings. It's called Learning Tings on the Couch. We don't have a set defined topic today. I just feel like so much has happened in pop culture over the past like two weeks that I would like to have a word about it. Yeah, so let's get cozy. I'm currently on the couch. Rat's getting cozy at the moment. There's a few things I want to cover. Obviously, a very brief little moment on... Rat, would you mind? Just just lie down, darling. Just lie down, my sweet summer child. You don't have to dig to fucking China. It's a $3,000 couch doll. Now, in terms of what we are covering, if the title doesn't give it away, obviously, R.A.P. to the beautiful Matthew Perry. Um, I'm going to touch on the Beckham doco for just a little bit because it was really good, but I feel like they glossed over so much shit. And then Britney's memoir. I read it last week and funnily enough, this episode was meant to be just on like Britney's life, but we'll get into why that isn't the case once we get to that. And then I might even gloss over a little bit of T. Swizzle's Taylor Swift's showmance, hysterical showmance with Travis Kelsey, the NFL player in America. Starting with a bang, I did just want to cover that the Wall Street Journal named Adelaide as Australia's coolest city. Now there are so many questions to do with this. I will say I fucking love Adelaide. I am a common user of the term Radelaide. I think it's fucking sick. It all stemmed back to, I want to say it was like 2019 and I'm giving you the year for context in terms of inflation, right? So stay with me. I went to a rooftop bar and the price of like an average House drink, like a vodka soda, I want to say it was $6. So there's that. Immediately you're intrigued and you're like, what is this place? Where am I? I like it here, but I'm not sure about it. But that wasn't it. They were offering $2 toasted cheese sandwiches at the bar. You didn't even have to buy a drink. You could just buy a $2 toasted cheese sandwich on a little paper plate and waddle away, nibbling on your little toasted cheese sandwich, which is exactly what I did, just quietly. So I like Adelaide. In fact, I find myself defending it to people constantly. I don't live in Adelaide. I never have. But every time someone brings up Adelaide and they're like, oh, what are you doing in Adelaide? I am turning around. My eyes are wide and I'm looking them dead in the eye. I might not even know this person. I'm probably not even in the conversation. And I'm like, excuse me, Adelaide is like one of the great places in the world. And now I actually have some ammunition. I can be like the Wall Street Journal named Adelaide, Australia's coolest city. So. But having said that, what? Where the fuck did this come from? Who is the mayor of Adelaide? And how much did they pay the Wall Street Journal to put this little PR piece in there for them? Apparently Adelaide celebrities gave the journal insider knowledge. And to that, I immediately thought, who? What celebrity is from Adelaide? I had to Google it. Sia is from Adelaide. And Sarah Snook, the redhead from Succession, who. I cannot seem to escape in terms of being told I look like her. And it's one of those ones where I look them up and I'm like, Sarah Snook is lovely. I've nothing at Sarah Snook. I've never watched Succession. I know. I have to watch it. But I'm like, babe, is it just the hair colour? Because if you take that away, what are we left with really in terms of similarities? But. Also, I just had Porto, which in hindsight wasn't the best meal to smash before I record a podcast episode, but you know can't turn down a double fillet norm burger with uh, no chili sauce thank you so much in case you're curious all right let's get into it so to get this over and done with obviously the news came out over the weekends that matthew perry unfortunately died and it seems like no one can escape it this is a sad death and this is coming from someone who i'm not a fan of friends the tv show i quite like friends in life i'd like to have some more if you interested, please let me know. But the actual TV show, I'm not huge on it. But even though I didn't watch Friends, I always looked at Matthew Perry as like, oh, he's quick. He's got a wit and he's funny. He also seems very self-aware in a lot of parts of that show. And I value his character. I value what he did with Chandler Bing. I think he created a really great character there. Also loved him in Seventeen Again, which, which is a movie that I Don't think anyone ever talks about anymore. Why is that? That was a great movie. Why didn't it get on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh no, this is gonna break my heart, isn't it? Fifty-five percent. That movie's fun. I liked that movie, and I liked Matthew Perry. And so, the reason I'm explaining to you that I'm like not a huge Friends fan is because if I'm feeling sorrowful, melancholic, if you will, about the death of Matthew Perry, I cannot imagine what like diehard Friends fans are feeling right now. So Matthew Perry, obviously, uh, he released a memoir a couple of years ago that really went into his journey, his life before and after Friends and his honestly lifelong battle with substance abuse and issues with addiction. And it's a really, really telling piece. It's a really good book. I started listening to the audiobook this week it's the first audiobook i've ever listened to by the way this is a huge step for me i narrate them as a job i've never listened to one audiobooks is not something that i'm like super into i actually really really like reading but spotify changed their uh premium subscription allowances and now audiobooks are included i'm not sure if it's all audiobooks but i can tell you matthew perry's one is on there so if you've got spotify premium babe hit play i just spat all over my blanket sexy the first page of his book is honestly a little bit chilling to read since he passed at one point in that page it says if you like you can consider what you're about to read to be a message from the beyond my beyond and honestly like hearing him read that sentence because he actually narrates it as well which is a little jarring at first because he slurred like a motherfucker up but then I had to promptly remind myself that he was in a coma for two weeks and then hospitalized for five months after that um so I suppose he's allowed that first sentence was really chilling because I was like oh fuck this is so real and like just so telling of what addiction and substance abuse can do you know he's had a lot of issues with abandonment he's had a lot of issues with loneliness and that often manifested for him with the need to um you know drink or take drugs um that is such an old person saying take drugs (laughs) but you know like he mentions oxycontin was one of the drugs that he had and opiates are a really 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 fucked one obviously if you haven't listened to the oxycontin episode give that one a go because it's really interesting stuff to me and really fucked but obviously he was found in his pool in his hot tub and the toxicology poor report as of recordings the 31st of October happy Halloween by the way hasn't been released yet so we no one can confirm yet if he was indeed you know under the influence when he died however I'm pretty confident he probably was the real thing that is pushing me toward the fact that he was struggling again and was, you know, having issues with substance was Hank Azaria, um, a really long-time friend of his. They'd been friends for apparently like 40 years or something. They met shooting a pilot once upon a time and remained friends ever since. Hank Azaria released a statement after Matthew Perry died. Fuck, another reporto burp Oh, dear. And in the statement, it was a video statement, he said that Matthew Perry was someone who helped him get out of his substance abuse loop. He helped him with Hank Azaria's alcoholism and Matthew Perry actually took Hank to his first AA meeting. So he was always super supportive and that's something that Matthew Perry said in his memoir as well that of all the things that are bad about him the one good thing that he feels is that he can always help people get on the right track again. He just couldn't do it for himself and Hank says it's a shame that Matthew couldn't stay on the sober path himself. Paraphrasing, that's basically what he said. And in my opinion, I'm like, obviously Hank Azaria doesn't know what's in the toxicology report. But if you've known someone for 40 years, chances are, you know, they're in a circles, you know, if they're like off the wagon again. So if he's saying that I'm I'm thinking it's pretty safe to assume that unfortunately, Matthew Perry probably died Due to a, a drug overdose, or at least that was the reason why he drowned, which is really sad. The other thing I'll say is that I think of all the Friends cast members, obviously they're in the human, everyone's gonna die at some point. But if one of them was gonna go too young, Matthew Perry is the saddest one. Like that one is tragic, it's like genuinely heartbreaking and i'm not even into friends so to all my friends fans out there love you thinking of you they released a statement as well today the cast saying that they're because they were pretty silent for the first couple of days like a lot of tributes were coming in and everyone was kind of just waiting for theirs like they're waiting for the cast to give their input and and tribute and i think they're doing something but it's taking like, they're doing something big for it, but it's taking a little bit longer because they released a statement today that could have been released on Sunday kind of thing. Like, it was like, we're utterly heartbroken, like, da-da-da-da-da. It was only a few lines. And it's like, that could have been released, like, the day that it was announced and the day that all the other celebrities were giving their memoirs. So I have a feeling that the Friends cast is, like, doing something. But I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. So we'll just have to see, won't we? Moving on to the Beckham documentary, Um, I watched this when it came out. I was actually super excited for it because I'm not a huge football fan. Um, I love the game, but it's just hard to get into it in Australia because they play in Europe. They play at absurd times of the night. Not me saying that while well, I also stay up till 3am to watch the cricket priorities. Anyway, if you haven't seen the Beckham documentary, it's on Netflix. I actually would recommend it. Um, it's it's really good. It's just done really well. You get a look into how he got to where he was, how he became like the greatest football player in the world at one point. Um, and it also shows loads of his relationship with Victoria, which is kind of the reason why we're talking about it now. But it was... Genuinely really good and you don't have to be into football, soccer, to to enjoy it. So I would recommend it. But um, I do have a couple of notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His mum seems to be like one of those like super protective, I want nothing but the best for my son and if it isn't the best it can fuck off kind of mums. Because every time she came on screen eventually I was just like, oh, here we go. She's got an opinion. She's got an opinion. But no, the reason I want to talk about the Beckham Tucker is... It was one of those things where we watched the documentary and I was like glazed eyes, cross-eyed, staring into the corner being like, what a lovely video that was. And then a couple of days later, I was like, wait, they kind of really did not talk about that at all. (laughs) They did not even slightly treat the situation of David Beckham's multiple affairs in a way that makes sense with the actual narrative or at least the way the media played it out the closest they got to talking about it or at least like a like confirming it was when victoria said that the move to spain was the hardest period because it felt like the world was against us and that was like the whole narrative of this affair part of the of the documentary it was like um we had to read all these horrible stories about us and it's like the whole time it's like they were just saying the media was lying when, of course, of course, they are at some times, at some points. But, bitch, this happened. Like, this was, like, what they kind of didn't want to do in the documentary, which I totally understand. But, like, as a viewer, I feel like they led people astray a little bit. This was huge. This was, like, I, I, I was a bit too young to really know like to watch the news and see it coming out but like if you're around my age I'm 26 it was similar to like the Tiger Woods scandal where like that man had a new woman like a pair of underwear for every week for two weeks straight a new woman would come out saying yep I also had an affair with Tiger Woods and it was just like never-ending and like that was I think that was one of the first times we saw someone like legitimately get cancelled before (laughs) the word cancelled came out because I swear after that saga with Tiger Woods, did we ever hear from him again in the same sense as prior to the affairs? Like he was on top of the world and then out of nowhere, all of these affairs, affairs pop up and then he's just like gone. Like now we just like, yeah, he was a great golfer. And that's it. And that's what it was like for Beckham as well. So the original woman, her name was Rebecca Loose or Loose. I actually have never heard her last name said. I hope it's not Loose for her sake. So Rebecca was this, she was kind of assigned to him as like a translator because he moved to to Madrid to play for a football team called Real Madrid. She was kind of assigned to him as like a translator to help him get around Madrid and like acclimatize and be a part of the culture and all that. And then eventually he apparently just sent her a text being like, no one would have to know. And that's allegedly what like kicked off this affair. And it went for a little while and And when it came to light that he'd had an affair, quotation marks, but, you know, I think if I was a fucking betting woman, I'd put $50 that I don't have on it. In 2004, he came out and he was like, his statement was, "'During the past few months, I have become accustomed to reading more and more ludicrous stories about my private life. What appeared this morning is just one further example,' is referring to the Rebecca allegations. "'The simple truth is that I am very happily married. I have a wonderful wife and two very special kids. There is nothing any third party can do to change these facts.'" That statement from 2004 is basically mirrored through that, throughout the entire documentary. They never once mentioned the name of Rebecca Lewis, which is is fine. Like, that's okay. I don't care about that. But I'm not saying that it's my place to decide if they're going to you know like rehash this and like open old wounds and feel that pain again and say like yeah I did cheat on Victoria it's not like I'm expecting them to do that but the way that the documentary played out was like it glossed over it so aggressively I didn't realize for like two days that they didn't talk about it (laughs) or that they did but it just wasn't even slightly like you wouldn't have realized they were talking about the affair at all it was that glossed over so after he came out with that statement another woman came out her name was Sarah Marbeck, Marbeck and she said I know I meant something to him because on and off we continued our relationship month after month after month a week later a third woman came out her name was Selena Laurie and she said I was single at the time he's the one who should have shown restraint and anyway I'm sure I wasn't the first and so yeah love David Beckham he's a dirty little pig isn't he but he's great at football and he's super cool go Becks they seem happy I think it would be absurd to think that they're in an entirely monogamous relationship because I think they work really well as like life partners like business and social life partners but to think that they have gone their whole lives like actually being like strictly monogamous is a very funny concept to me but if you want to believe that Do as your heart desire, my love. The other thing in the documentary that was very much glossed over was the fact that David Beckham legitimately almost missed the birth of his son because he was doing a Pepsi ad with J-Lo and Beyonce. They talk about it for like five seconds and Victoria's like saying like, oh, like I was heavily pregnant about to pop and like Beyonce wasn't, like J-Lo was looking hot. Like, how do you think that made me feel? But I just want to go into it a little bit deeper for your sake, Posh, because holy fucking shit, can you imagine? Can you actually imagine? She was on bed rest because she was so close to popping and she was also scheduled for a C-section. I believe it was for health reasons. She wasn't doing great. And David Beckham's like, how can I support my wife? I'm going to fly to America and do a Pepsi ad with J-Lo and Beyonce. What is with Pepsi being always on the wrong side of like a PR stunt. Literally every time Pepsi doesn't add, it fucks someone's life up. <laughs> like remember when Kendall Jenner did that one with like The Riot? And she <laughs> But she hands the Pepsi can to like a cop and it solves everything. So yeah, I just I just want to pull one out for Victoria Beckham there because I actually don't know what I would do if my husband very nearly missed the birth of our child because he was doing a photo shoot with Beyonce and JLo. And this is crazy and love Beyonce, by the way. This is like 2004 Beyonce. I think that album, what was it, J- Danger- Dangerously in Love, that had just come out. If you think I would let any man associated with me in a romantic way near 2004 Beyonce... You have no idea who I am, cripplingly insecure. Thank you so much, let's move on. Okay, now let's get into this Britney memoir. I read her book, I read her memoir, came out a week ago, and this episode was actually, as I said in the beginning, meant to be this week, just like a deep dive into Britney's life. However, a couple of days after I read the book, I realized something and it started to dawn on me, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can't do that video. This book was still somewhat like very much uh I don't think we're getting the full story is what I'm trying to say. It does go into a lot and it's really nice to hear in Britney's words but I still don't think we're getting the full story on what actually is happening for her and what happened to her and all that stuff. I am one of the great conspiracy theorists. I don't know if I believe that Britney has been like like isn't real or has been cloned or anything. I think that's a little bit far-fetched. But I think there's some merit to the idea that she is not acting within... Like, she's still somewhat under a control that we might not be seeing yet. So that's why I haven't done a full video on Britney for this week. I do want to talk about the memoir, though, because it's really good. And I'm going to go over a couple of things. So if you haven't read it, no dramas, because I'm going to give it to you. She goes over the Mickey Mouse Club for a little bit. And I really like how she kind of like name dropped, but without name dropping in an icky way. I mean, it's Britney fucking Spears. Like she can't really name drop. She just knows these people. But she sets the scene in a really nice way. For example, when she auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club, she was, I think she was like eight at the time. And she like lied because they said the cutoff was like nine and she was like seven or eight. And and eventually, you know, she, she was told she wasn't ready. But the line in the book is like, me and another little girl called Christina Aguilera were told we weren't ready. And it's just like, it's just such a, f- uh, oops, I bought a it, sorry. It's just such a fun little world, like to paint that picture of like a little baby Christina Aguilera being told she's not ready for the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh my God. Side note, Ozempic goes so crazy. I wouldn't know, I wish, but the amount of celebrities I've seen, like Christina Aguilera is one of them. She's She's, like, yo-yoed her weight a little bit. I don't give a fuck what Christina Aguilera looks like. Her voice is amazing. She's amazing. I love her in burlesque. Great movie. Go watch it. But she, all of a sudden, is back down to, like, a size fucking zero in the space of, like, two months. And there's a number of Australian celebrities that I've noticed as well. (laughs) If you want to see, if you want me to do a learning things on, like, the the wave of a Zempic and like the storm that's creating in our world i would love to because that would be wild anyway another one of the like name drop things she does is when she was in new york and she was an understudy for another little girl in a musical and she says that the third understudy was a girl named natalie portman and it just it's just that's just what i mean it's just like fun to see her like paint the scene in a way that All of these big names started somewhere in the same place that she did. Just doing the best. Natalie Portman wasn't understudy. Like, it's just so cute. But anyway, it's time for me to yell about Justin fucking Timberlake for a little bit. Are you ready? Holy shit. I should probably preface this by saying that I am not Justin Timberlake's biggest fan. She revealed in the book um, that, obviously, I'm sure you've heard this by now, she fell pregnant with Justin Timberlake's son, Oh, son, why have I gendered it? Justin Timberlake's baby. And he expressed to her and basically, oh, I don't know if coerced is an appropriate word, but she definitely wanted to keep the baby and he definitely didn't and she aborted it. So do with that what you will. She said she was fucking devastated. Like she would have loved to have a kid. Like, she was pretty young. She was in her early, like, early 20s. But she wanted to and he didn't want to. And he was like, this isn't going to help my brand. So, <laughs> sorry to the child. I think, um, you know, aborting a child that you want is is one of those things for women in the same vein as, like, you know, a miscarriage or or even just childbirth in general in the sense that you don't know what it is until you go through it. So, I have no idea how hard that was for her. But in the book, she makes it pretty clear that she was fucking devastated. And it did take a little bit away from her, but she was so in love with Justin Timberlake. After they broke up, which he broke up with her by a text, by the way, like gross, 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 man. So he kind of dragged her through the mud in the media when they first broke up and the media narrative at the time was very much like misogynistic and a lot of internalized misogyny as well in the sense that like I'm remembering since I read the book you know like in Australian supermarkets like Coles and Woolies back in the day when I went to do the shopping with mum when they're when mum's paying for me go-gurts um which were fun frozen by the way never had a go-gurt that was melted or, like, you know, room temperature. Ugh, no, thank you. Frozen Go-Gurts go hard, though. Um, I wonder, are they still available? Can you still buy Go-Gurts? You can still buy them. Huh. I go get myself a Go-Gurt. Just kidding. I can hardly tolerate dairy anymore. But when you're... When mum was paying for me Go-Gurts, all the magazines, all the, like, gossip magazines were at the front at the checkout, and I just remember seeing the front pages of these magazines they were absurd like obviously the classic like it'll just be like a very standard slim woman in a bikini at the beach and the headline is something like let's say her name is Mia Mia's a fat little piggy isn't she (laughs) one lap around Mia is a kilometer they were fucked Can you imagine these days how quickly a magazine would go under if they posted something like that, (laughs) like the front page? That was the media narrative. It was super misogynistic. A lot of internalised misogyny from a lot of women as well who were running the magazines, you know. So when Justin Timberlake was going around and saying, like, like, he was promoting his album, and Britney said that when they first broke up, they were still friends and their families were really close and they'd been close since the Mickey Mouse Club. But he releases Crimea River, which is about obviously a girl cheats on him and then gets really sad when he leaves or whatever. Who cares? I don't remember the song and I don't want to listen to it. It was about Britney. I don't know if he's ever actually confirmed it, but he's heavily alluded to it now, and it's basically common knowledge that Crimea River was about Britney Spears. And with this song, he used Britney as like fuel. He alluded to it being about her. You know the video clip has a woman who looks like her. She's even dressed up like the woman in the music video because it's like so obvious. Everyone knows it's it was meant to be about her but she was always such a good sport about it. In the memoir she reveals that Justin Timberlake was cheating on her like pretty regularly. Like she had stories where you know, a dancer, he would be talking to a dancer of hers or she overheard someone or something like that where he'd be like, he'd look over at another dancer in the nightclub and be like, yeah, I tapped that last night. First of all, tapped that. The vocabulary of the early 2000s must be studied. So, like, he's cheating on her and she was really upset about it but she didn't know what to do because she also said that she was super naive. She said in her words, she was like, I was dumb and people took advantage of that because eventually after he had cheated on her multiple times, she cheated, not out of spite, but because she got to a point where she was like, I guess this is what the relationship is kind of thing. Like you get yours, I'll get mine, like that kind of thing. So for him to just like use that as ammunition to launch his stupid little solo career, which I wish never happened because nothing I can see but you when you dance, dance, shut up, shut it. No one wants to hear that song ever. No, I'm sorry. If you like Justin Timberlake, he's a great performer and um, he's got a good voice and please don't make me think of any more reasons. But the other thing that the memoir said in terms of Justin was kind of interesting because you know that radio interview that he did many, many moons ago where he basically, you know, confirms the fact that he would have like sexual relations with Britney. Who am I? A press secretary at the White House? He had sex with Britney is what I was trying to say. He like kind of breaks the narrative that she's this like sweet little virgin which for whatever reason was the narrative for Britney at the time. She says in the memoir she lost her virginity when she was 14. Like she does not know why people took the ball and rolled with it that she was a virgin. She hated it apparently and this is what I mean when I'm like Oh, really? Because she said that that radio interview, she was like happy that Justin revealed that she was a uh, a lesbian, (laughs) that she was a virgin and not a virgin. Holy shit, dude. Let me say that sentence one more time. She was pleased with Justin, that Justin revealed that she wasn't a virgin. So she didn't have to. That was kind of her mood. Apparently she was like, oh, thank God. Finally, someone has like told the truth and like, broken me out of this crypt i'm gonna sit up for this one because this really really angers me in order to combat the burps i'm having some pepsi max let's see how that goes uh, oh my god the conservatorship that's what i want to talk about here and i am so shocked that this is even illegal. legal like something that was legal Like, I don't understand. I really don't. There are two types of conservatorships you can get in America or at least in the state of California. One is the conservator of the estate, which is the business and, you know, all of the assets and and money and wealth and things like that. The other type of conservatorship, I forget the actual term for it, but it's like the entity, like the actual person. The only time people typically get a conservatorship over someone's like general body and like what they do and what they're allowed to put in their body is when they're in like a vegetative state. This is the same woman that under the same conservatorship, they were putting her through world tour after world tour after vegas residency after vegas residency for like 13 years of her fucking life she didn't get a break at all like she'd beg for a holiday and they would wouldn't give it to her they'd be like yeah cool cool after this show you can go have a holiday she'd finish the show and they'd be like actually we can't do the holiday anymore because we've got to go to la and do another residency like i cannot understand how the court was like seeing this and letting this happen and 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 i'm so angry as well about like all the other celebrities that were in britney's life pre-conservatorship like where were they you know like she was friends with madonna she was friends with christina aguilera she was i mean fucking justin could have come in for bat and been like hey is everything okay because she says in the memoir that the free Britney movement from the fans was basically the reason she's not in it anymore. So that just really fucking irks me. But on the same token, um, I, I can understand that like the tabloids were fucked and she was a little bit like hot lava in that sense that if you were a celebrity and you were seen with her, you were kind of like, kooky by proxy (laughs) you know what i mean like she she was painted as like this psycho you don't need me to tell you and if you do i would just google like britney spears headlines from the mid 2000s because they're awful they're so awful so in terms of how the conservatorship actually came about um her family were telling her that the the police are after you the police are after you and you should come over here because we want to talk to you like they were really they were lying to her and she was like what do you mean like I haven't done anything wrong she was like yeah sure I had a little bit too much Xanax the other day <laughs> but she's like but I'm like apart from that I am um, it is all disco over here so she goes over to the house and she works out that they're like she's not going to be able to like see her kids anymore to poopoo face Kevin Federline, as he's known on this podcast what a fucking piece of shit and an embarrassing excuse for a celebrity if you ask me So she was basically told, she was like, You're not going to see your kids. So she locks herself in a bathroom with her two little boys because she's terrified because she's like, I don't know when I'm going to see these people again. A SWAT team comes to her house, breaks down the door, and takes her in a straitjacket. Literally. She was chained down and taken to a fucking institution. Like, I'm speechless. Like, I'm actually speechless. So this conservatorship, she was basically on House a West. She was widowerly on House of West. She wasn't allowed to go out to dinner with anyone unless it was like vetted prior, and even still that was a very rare occurrence. She had a, a $2,000 I think a week to her name while her father was making millions of dollars a year just by having her in the conservatorship. She wasn't allowed to put anything in her body that it wasn't already selected for her. I'm talking food, drink, everything. She wasn't allowed alcohol. She wasn't allowed any drug, obviously. At one point, she talks about when she was, like, hooking up with a guy who was, like, really into fitness. He, like, recommended that she have these, like, over-the-counter, like, energy supplements. Like, you don't need a prescription for them. They're just, like, a concoction of things that... Would give you a little boost of energy. When her dad found the energy supplements in her purse, he'd sent her to rehab. This is the same woman who's like completely sober, is only allowed to see her kids like once a week if she behaves herself. And then she'd ask Kevin Fuckerline if she could like see her own children. And he'd be like, oh, I don't know. Just be good and we'll see. And meanwhile, he's allowed to like go and smoke pot and like hang out till all hours of the night and go to strip clubs and stuff like make it make sense. I feel so sorry for this poor woman who lost 13 years of her life and some of the most important years of a young child's life in terms of developing who they are, who they love, who their parents are. Oh my God, it comes back to like, how did the state of California let this happen? I think they're doing something with it, like in terms of like the Britney clause so that this can't happen again. But it is really interesting to think how quickly this woman's power was taken away. She was also lied to about her lawyer. So for 13 years, her parents and everyone in the system told her that she wasn't allowed to pick a new lawyer, when that was utter rubbish. She had a state like court-appointed lawyer for the whole time, and he was probably in the pocket of the conservatorship. Like He was probably getting paid, because when she found out that she was allowed to hire her own lawyer, within a year of getting the new lawyer, she was out of the fucking conservatorship. Yeah. Like, it is just... Also, she kind of goes in on Jamie Lynn Spears, her little sister, who wrote a one of the great fucking small violin books you'll ever read in your life. I haven't read it, but I've heard a lot from it. And she basically sucks the entire book, being like, Life is so hard. All oh, woe is me. When, like, Britney worked so hard, as she puts it in her memoir, to give Jamie Lynn a, the life she didn't have when she was growing up. That. I just... I Man, I feel for her, and I... I want to see what happens next. I want to see what she does next or if she just wants to sit. Britney hasn't done any interviews with this. I think she did one email interview. But apart from that, she hasn't, you know, she's not doing like a press tour. She successfully launched the most successful celebrity memoir of all time without doing a single press tour. And yet she was in a conservatorship on house arrest, basically not allowed to see her kids for 13 years and completely sober. Make it make sense. So yeah, pull one out for Britney. The 13 years she lost in that conservatorship to arguably, oh my god, dude, put her parents in jail. In terms of Justin Timberlake and Kevin Fuckerline, electric chair. She also touches lightly on the fact that um she wanted to start thinking about having kids. And so she wanted her IUD removed, which was not able to happen apparently. Her dad was like, no, sorry. That's not happening. Like the it's gross. It's absolutely disgusting. Little brief soiree into Taylor Swift's hysterical little showmance with Travis Kelsey. Now, here is what I will say. If you think that is a real relationship, honey. I think the more you get into things like blind items is when you realize how little the media really like really just scratches the surface of a celebrity's life in terms of what is reported blind items of things where it's, you know, you you might see someone like a celebrity and so you send it to a gossip website, but they can't post it because it might get them sued. So they'll make like a riddle without the celebrity's name in it to to let you work out who it is. And the more you kind of go into that, the more you're like, holy shit, like so many celebrities have a life completely different from what the tabloids and what the media is is saying about them and this ties in with PR relationships the more you get into blind items the more you're like you can pick a PR relationship from a fucking mile away so this Taylor Swift thing with Travis Kelsey I see in this way it is absolutely PR and Taylor's part and I will tell you in a second Travis Kelsey might absolutely be into Taylor Swift and how why wouldn't you she's beautiful she's completely successful she's got a great voice like she's she's a catch However, I am not the person who coined this, but this makes perfect sense. If you googled Taylor Swift jets a month or two ago, what Google results would you have gotten? Probably to do with the carbon emissions that Taylor Swift's private jet releases into the air every time she flies anywhere. Since she started dating Travis Kelsey, a player for the Jets in the NFL, that narrative has completely changed and it's just it's just interesting like she spent the past six years of her relationship with that other guy what was his name like joe or some shit i have no idea but she didn't post like a single photo of him there was like no photos of them together all of a sudden she's with travis kelsey and it's like seven thousand photos a week i can't escape it but yeah there's that tiny little thing about t swizzle There are a couple of really easy ways to pick a celebrity PR relationship and I would love to go into them in the future. However, we don't have any time left today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Learning Tings. I have been your host, Loopy Deweepy. Make sure you're following the show on your app of choice and if you're an Apple Podcast, you can actually leave me a written review. Please rate my burps. Subscribe and like if you're watching on YouTube and I will see you guys next week. Adios.